Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Quick trigger warning. We do talk about suicide in this episode. So if you aren't feeling up to listening to that or anything like that today, feel free to come back and re-listen or listen to one of the, I think we're up to 380-some episodes now. Uh, Yes, I know on some podcasting platforms you can only see 300, and I'm sorry about that. I don't even know how to fix that. If you do, just email me and let me know. But uh, you can listen to episodes on our website all the way from the first one. Don't judge me. It was early on in this uh, in this journey. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy the episode. Bye. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm here with Patty. Patty Dilly is the outreach coordinator for the Peyton Heart Project. She is an advocate for the Montgomery County Suicide Prevention Task Force. <laughs> Patty is the member of both the NAMI Montgomery County, NAMI Bucks County. Patty is very passionate about volunteering to help others. She loves her Labrador retriever named Finn and also enjoys a good chai tea latte. Well, Patty, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, I love this. Thank you. Yes. Uh, you know, mental illness actually is a, a very important thing to me. Uh, any long-term podcast listener knows that I have bipolar disorder. And, um, so all of that suicide prevention, I've been there, uh, been in the throes of that. So yes, very close to my heart. Uh, so Patty, you, I'd love to have you share with us. You have a story of grief. You have been through some, some loss and we've talked about grief before on the podcast. And I think it's so important because everyone's story is different. Everyone has experienced loss in different ways. And I feel like we can really learn from that. So kick us off, share with us. Sure. Um, Actually, today is the eight year anniversary of losing my Matthew. So Matt was um, a 17 year old high school senior. um, And I really didn't see struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, very funny, hid behind his humor and hid behind his beautiful smile and didn't tell anybody that he Mm -hmm. was having, having thoughts of suicide. Yeah. And then, um, on eight years ago today, came home from school. It was like a normal day. And then he decided to end his life. So that was, you know, something that I just never imagined I'd go through. And if you talk to other, you know, parents or, or people that have experienced suicide, they usually don't, you know, imagine that unless sometimes people are very suicidal and have, you know, and, and do, you know, attempt and luckily, you know, survive. Um, But I really had to educate myself about it. And that's why I got involved with the task force. And that's why I got involved with the Peyton Heart Project, because I felt like I can't help Matt, but I can help others. 
Yes. So then in January, January 4th of 2021, I lost my husband. And it was just a um, regular day again. Um, and he was very healthy, avid bicycler and um, unexpected death just came out of the blue, didn't expect that. So yes, so those are two grief journeys that I have been through. And uh, yeah, that, you know, it's a journey. It really mm-hmm. is. Yeah, we've talked about um, uh, one of the last podcasts where we talked about loss. And I, ironically, uh, the day we recorded for her, I think was her daughter's birthday, the, her daughter that she lost. And so it seems to be this this serendipity thing where most of the grief um, podcasts I do, we record on a day that is very significant to the people that you've lost. So I don't know how that happens, but it does. Maybe they're working that. I believe in spiritual uh, things happening. I call them God wings and I have a lot of God wings and I hope I continue to have God wings because there's some things that have happened that are like people you know, just don't believe it when I tell them. And I'm like, yep. So I think they, I, I believe they're orchestrating things from. I from, can't disagree. From heaven. I'm like, something's going on. I, yeah. I don't know, really know what it is, but right. some things just fall into place. Sometimes we're like, that really doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as somebody myself who has experienced uh, suicidal ideation, and I had an mm. attempt in 2013, I've had a lot of people say to me, I would have never guessed, like I would have never known. Like uh, most people, like I, we get talented at hiding it, right? Like I have lived with depression since I was very young. And people didn't even know that have known me my entire life that I've struggled with depression until I started speaking out about it. And they were just like blown away. I had no idea. And I'm like, because some of us are very good at masking it. Like humor, humor is one great one at masking it, you know, uh, pacing a smile on your face, even though you're, you're struggling. So it's, it's not just you. A lot of people really struggle because we can mask it sometimes. And, and it, you know, the signs may not even be there. And I appreciate that you're talking about it and that, you know, you're vocal about it because that's the thing I say to people. We need to get more people to talk about Mm -hmm. their mental health. I suffer from anxiety. I have no problem telling people that, you know, that I do suffer from it. I saw anxiety in Matt. I did not see depression, but I saw anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And after the fact, then I, after educating myself about suicide, I started to think, well, Matt had broken up with his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Matt was isolating himself in his bedroom. Matt stopped doing something he really liked to do, play guitar. Um, He wasn't going out as much with us or with friends. So those are some of the clues, but I didn't think that was, I just thought, yeah, everybody said, oh, it's just a teenage thing. Yeah. It's not always a teenage thing. Right. You know, and it's difficult to differentiate between the two of them. It really is. And people don't realize suicide is the second leading cause of death ages 10 to 34. Second leading cause of death. 
you know, and we're losing every age to suicide. It's not just, you know, teenagers or, you know, so it's every age. Yeah. It has uh, increased exponentially with teenagers though. And I do think that um, as much as I think social media can be a good thing, I also think it can be a very bad thing. And it's very, there are these like Facebook meta, the metaverse, you know, they own Instagram and everything. They know like there's like, they actually have seen it. They had this knowledge. It's come out like the algorithms and everything and showing these kids and the bullying and you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's just, it, it has, it's put so much pressure on our children and in suicide amongst them has increased exponentially. And you, and you have to think, but also like the world, the world is on fire. And these kids are like, what, how am I going to become an adult? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge show. I'm a millennial. An elder millennial. So I'm, you know, so I've seen the transitions among things, but these kids come into the world and the world is, you know, cry. I've watched the, you know, it go south. Uh, you have as well, but these kids just come in. It's already crap. And they're just yeah. like, what, exactly. what is going on? How do I deal with this? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, I, I'm actually, um, mental or I'm actually a stigma researcher. I'm a grad student. And as we discussed before I got on and, and my research interest is prejudice and stigma and mental illness is very stigmatized and suicides even more stigmatized, even amongst the mental health community, you hear people say, Oh, I can never do that. Oh, I mm-hmm. can never have that happen. Mm-hmm. And, and people just don't realize until you're in that space. And, and they, they have thought about that, that like you actually can, because it's just, your brain plays tricks on you. You yes. don't know. It's telling you these things that it's right. out of your control and convinces you that life just isn't worth it. Like you aren't worth it for me. particularly, my thoughts were everyone would be better off without me, that I was just a like drain on my spouse and my kids. And you were and- a burden. I was mm-hmm. a burden. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. if I wasn't around, he could go find a better person and my kids could have a better mom and the world as it stands is, uh, would be better. And that's, I think, like you said, it's very important to, to have these conversations. Absolutely. And, and they want, people want to end their pain. And that's mm-hmm. what, like you just said, you know, it's, it's not about, I'm going to hurt you know, they don't think about the loved ones. It's yeah. just something happens. You like you're right in the brain, and I think with Matt being 17 in the brain, not even being mature yeah. at that point, something happened. I don't know what. Probably was having those thoughts for a while. Maybe something happened terrible that day. But at that age, you don't realize. You know, things are going to get better. Uh, tomorrow's a new day. Mm-hmm. I can work this problem out. You don't they can't focus on that. It's just, this is an awful, horrendous thing that happened and I I can't get out of it. And, you know, I'm in pain. I just want to end it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed until you're like 24. So at 17, you're not even close to being fully developed. No. Mm -mm. And kids are, I I love that, that you've gotten involved because it's, relatively easy for people to become jaded and not want to take the steps to understand. They just want to be hurt. And I'm sure it's painful, 
but you want to be hurt. Right. And, and start like, you know, passing blame, but I'm very impressed that you instead became proactive. Like I want to understand this. I want to help Mm -hmm. others. Yes. Um, And so now I reach out to other mothers and other fathers and siblings that, you know, are going through this because I'm like, okay, I've been there, mm -hmm. you know, and and reaching out is mainly let's listen to them. Mm-hmm. Let's not tell them what they need to do. Yeah. Let's let's listen to them. You know, you can offer things to them, but let them tell, you know, their story and let them get through this, you know, with help and support. Yeah, we have featured both individuals who have attempted suicide um and also family members who have lost individuals to suicide. And it's the, you know, coming together of those uh, stories that are really important. You're right. We don't think about it when we're in the throes of suicide, you know, suicidal ideation, like how it's going to impact our family. If anything, we think like it's positively, like you're just going to, you know, if you, they're going to be better without thought, me, they're going to be better without me. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's difficult uh, for, you know, people to reconcile that, like, it is, it's not, it, it, I, I don't want to say it's never a, like about the family, but a lot of times from the people I've talked to that have been there, it's not, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not even like, I want to hurt you. Right. I, you know, I, you just don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. Uh, and we definitely don't talk about it enough. As a parent who has lost somebody to suicide, if there's other parents listening, what advice do you have to them? Because I have children with mental illness, and but me having a mental illness gives me a unique perspective, right? I have what is considered a severe mental illness. So I have a unique perspective that others might not, but you're coming from an angle of a parent who has, has lost somebody. What would, what would you want other parents to know? So I, so there's a lot of books you can read. Um, one of the things I tell people is find a way to honor that individual that you lost to suicide. Mm-hmm. So my way of honoring Matt is doing the Peyton Hart project. And can I talk a little bit about that? Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, so the Peyton Hart Project was started by two women that lived in New Jersey, Sue Harris and Jill Cuban, and they just wanted something uplifting for people to find, and it's a global mission. So what it is, is a heart, and this is one I made, it's crocheted, and the message on this one is, your life matters. Mm -hmm. And this one says, in memory of Matthew Dilly. So some of them have Matt's name on them. Others are just generic. Like this one is, love is all around you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So these hearts are left in the community for people to find. And I have partnered with Starbucks. So I have a bucket of these hearts in about 14 Starbucks and libraries and some restaurants. And so these buckets, I fill them. And that's what I do. I go in and I fill these buckets. And every day I will stop at so many Starbucks, fill the bucket. It's there. It's free. People take them. And 
there are some Starbucks that I have to go like every two days. Wow. Because that's what's happening. So it's wonderful because I tell people, get a heart and have a conversation with somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, On the back, there's information on how you can share the heart on social media. You can tell, you know, what it meant to you. And I wish more people would do that. Not everybody does. But the fact that people are taking the heart. So I have had wonderful conversations with people. And I have seen a dad go over and get a heart and sit with his child, with their child. And I've seen a mom do it as, and several moms as well do it and have a conversation about what do you think this means? What does this mean to you? And Mm -hmm. it's named it. It's named the Peyton heart project because of Peyton James, who was 13 years old and lived in Texas. And he and was bullied. Um, Mm -hmm. Not all the time does bullying lead to suicide, but sometimes it is a factor. Um, So we lost him in October of 2014. I lost Matt in September of 2014. Mm. So David, the the women, when they came up with this idea, they're like, what are we going to name this? And then they found out about Peyton James. And that's why they asked, you know, David, can we use Peyton? And David said, absolutely. So David James is very passionate and part of this whole project too. So, yeah. Yeah. I I feel like those conversations are important. I see a lot on social media where people post well-meaning things like my door is always open, but along with those posts, they say some very stigmatizing things. And I'll, I'll comment as someone who's been there in a very like loving way, say, you're probably not going to get somebody coming to you because of these things you're saying. I understand from that they're trying their, their best, but we have like the stigma ingrained about suicide. And we say things that mean well, right? You, you know, um, such as like, your family loves you and they'll be so hurt if you leave this world. Like, and it's just like, you mean well, right? These people mean well, but now you're telling them like, your, your, your thoughts, what you're going through is invalid. Right. And it's, and so the words that we use, the phrases we use around suicide, like they've even like shifted to, from saying committed suicide to died by suicide. Right. Because committed, you're not, you, you commit a crime. Like you wouldn't say somebody committed a heart attack. (laughs) People are dying from mental illness. They're not, <laughs> they're, they're not dying because they committed a crime. Like it is, uh, so it's shifted, like this verbiage just shifted. And, and so it's really important for people listening to understand, like, we need to be careful about how we approach this and have these conversations because we want people to feel validated, understood. We don't want people to feel shamed or stigmatized because it's just going to make them not want to talk about it. And and one of the things the counties offer both both um you know Bucks and Montgomery County. Um I live in Montgomery County but like I said I do stuff in Bucks as well is QPR training which is question persuade refer. 90 minutes of really good training and it talks about the signs of suicide, talks about like how to talk to people about it 
Mm-hmm. And I think if more people took that and were more aware of it, um, and it also, one of the things it talks about is the language, mm-hmm. which you just mentioned, taking away that committed, you know, and saying died by suicide. Um, yeah. So I will say Matt died by suicide or Matt mm-hmm. ended his life um, instead of using that term. Um, you see it in social media all the time. So many movies, I can't believe how many movies have a suicide in it. Mm-hmm. And that term is always used in those yeah. movies, you know, all the time. Um, so there's really good programs. There's QPR training, there's ending the silence, which is something that NAMI offers. And they go into schools and talk about, you know, suicide and mental health and I think that's that's one of the big things I'd like to see more of, more involvement within our schools, within, I mean, we're losing um, over a thousand kids a year in college to suicide, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just, yeah, it's really bad. And so we need to do more, talk more about mental health and make people feel comfortable to have these conversations. Yeah. So in stigma research, one of the ways that you can reduce stigma, it's a very effective way is contact. The problem is that I find with contact is stigmatized people don't want to talk about it because it's stigmatized, but in order to reduce stigma, people need to talk about it. And it is this circle, like it is this nonstop circle. Like, I don't want to talk about it because it's stigmatized, but because it's stigmatized, you need to talk about it to reduce it. And some people are very, like myself, very outspoken. I don't give a crap if people listening want to judge me because I have attempted suicide. I don't care if they want to judge me because I have bipolar disorder, but I have, I have gotten to that point, right? I wasn't always here. Like I didn't share for so long because it was so stigmatized. I, I didn't even understand what was going on because it was stigmatized, right? I went undiagnosed for decades because mm-hmm. in my family, they would make comments like people going to the nut house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, one of the towns near us was Ogdensburg and that's where Ogdensburg, New York. And that's where they had the mental health facility. Um, and it was always like, oh, well, they're getting sent to Ogdensburg. You know, Uh, like all these little mini comments that I'm sure my parents and those around me didn't even realize what you're implanting in my head, but making me not feel safe to tell them like, this is what I'm going through. Yeah. Yeah. But bringing it into the schools and everything and talking about it and Mm -hmm. saying, it's okay. It's, you know, and that phrase, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. Um, and making them realize everybody has those bumps in the road yeah. and, and you can get through it. Uh, research shows it's really important to start with middle schoolers, mm. uh, because I mean, little elementary school kids, they can, they can understand to a certain level, but middle schoolers is where, where we really start to see these things develop. Right. Um, and understanding and spotting the signs and, and being there for your friends. And uh, I'm very impressed. My kid's school has a psychologist, has a social worker, and each grade has a counselor. So, so impressive to me that this school has prioritized children's mental health because 
this is, this is where it starts. I mean, depression, depression can manifest itself in, in middle school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're more likely Absolutely. to see like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, like in your twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it can develop sooner. I developed bipolar disorder as a teenager. Uh, now I know not, that now looking back, but, uh, a lot like anxiety, uh, there's a quite a few disorders that do manifest earlier in the lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've even gone to like a Sunday school. One of the, one of the things I did, so I go out and I do events with the Peyton Heart Project. So it's like, not everybody can crochet, but I can bring crocheted hearts and they can attach the tag. Yeah. Um, we also have material ones so people can sew and, mm-hmm. you know, do hearts that way. As long as it's a heart that's attached to the message, that's all that, you know, matters. It has to be a heart. But um, I, one of the things I did was went out to a Sunday school class and there were kids, you know, very young and I didn't talk about suicide. What I talked about was being kind and so I actually had them cut out a paper heart Mm. and they cut out a paper heart and I had them write their name on it and I made them stand in a line at church and I had them each give their heart to the person next to them and then I said okay I want you to crumble it up Mm. and they they were like really excited and I said okay now I want you to throw it on the ground and now I want you to stomp on it. So now they're stomping on this heart and the heart that they got was somebody else's heart with yeah. somebody else's name on it. So my point was, this is what like bullying is about. Yeah. And then I had them pick it up and I said, okay, now open that heart up. Will that heart ever be the same? Mm-hmm. And you could see, you know, they were looking at it and some of it, some had little tears in it. They were all wrinkled. And this one little girl said, you broke my heart. And I said, exactly. That's what happens when you bully a kid, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so they need to know this, like at a very early age, you know, what happens and how that can affect somebody that's really, really bullied bad. You know, it might start in elementary school and continue through middle school. Like Peyton had red hair, red hair and glasses, you know, and he was a smaller kid and he was picked on, Mm -hmm. you know, and People tend to, you know, kids tend to do that, unfortunately. So yeah. let's talk about being kind and, you know, and being there for other people, you know, mm-hmm. I think is really important. And I tell people, if your friend is sad, you know, and you're worried about them, talk to them. And if, if they do give you information that they're thinking of ending their life, please find somebody, a trusted adult, somebody that, you know, you can go to, like you said, counselor like everything that's in school there's really good people there maybe a teacher and say so and so said this you know and I'm worried and trust that gut feeling if you're worried about somebody really trust that gut feeling yeah and don't be scared that that they're going to be mad at you they may be mad at you but I mean is it worse to have them mad at you or worse to not have them around exactly and speaking of bullying, we're dealing that with my, my son, my son, he is the sweetest little boy. He has the biggest heart. He is little. My twins are there. I have twins and they're were premature. So they're very small for their age and sweetest kid. He has ADHD. So he's a little different in how he acts. Right. Um, 
He's very gullible. And I don't mean that as an insult, but like, it's very easy. He wants to believe everybody is his friend. Everybody is his friend. He's just, he's just so cute. And uh, his sister has to point out like, no, Cameron, like they were picking on you. How old? uh, They're 11. 11. Okay. Yeah, Tough age. Just entered middle school. Yeah. Tough age. Yeah. And so yesterday at PE, the, they were leaving him out. He's been bullied for like several years now, like very minor things, but like, and half the time he doesn't even realize they're doing it. Cause like he doesn't pick up on social cues as much partially because he's just all over the place. Um, but in PE, they were leaving him out in the game. Uh-huh. Like, I guess in the game is you could rescue people who got out. Um, when I was a kid, we played dodgeball in that same manner. It's like, you can, you know, somebody was out, you could rescue them and they weren't rescuing him and they weren't including him. And he got really upset and he went to lunch and the, the counselor picked up on the fact that he was upset and spoke with him and, and like emailed me about it. And he came home and he's, he's such a good kitty. I guess he told the sitter, she asked like, how are, how are you doing? Like, how is it great? But I got picked on today. Like, you know, um, but that's good. He he's identifying it so yeah. that, you know, yeah. And, and, but like, you know, the bullying and I fear yeah. my fear is for him that it's just going to get worse as he gets older because he's, mm-hmm. he is such a sweet kid. And he is different. He does act different than the other kids. And, you know, he does want to believe everybody is his friend and then gets so hurt. He's so sensitive. He gets so hurt when people aren't his friend. And then his twin sister is like the opposite. (laughs) She's honestly, not to say she's sweet, but she's a tough little nut. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And she'll tell people off and she's very protective of her brother. (laughs) So yeah, bullying. And we have mental illness that runs in our family. And so I do get worried and I get concerned, like, could this develop into something more? Mm-hmm. because he's going through these things. And so being really aware, but I am privileged because I have been there. So I'm more aware than other people. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like it's the work that you are doing and, and the things that you mentioned are very important because parents need that knowledge because a lot of times we were brought up in households where that wasn't talked about. Right. Right. So, so, so David Kessler wrote a book, Finding Meaning, and it's the sixth stage of grief. So that's why I say to people, you know, it's a good book to read. Um, find something that you can do. Mine is the Peyton Hart Project. And it's all, I do it all out of love for Matt. So find something that you can do to help others. So maybe it's like going to a walk, like, um, October 2nd down in Philadelphia is the um, American um, Foundation for Suicide Prevention Walk. So, mm-hmm. and there's out of darkness walks that they run. So I will be down there in Philadelphia in front of the art museum with a display giving out hearts mm-hmm. and for people so that, you know, that's one thing that I, you know, am passionate about and I do. But you can just do those walks, you know, and that helps because maybe you can form a team and you can honor your child or, you know, your your husband or your you know wife or whoever you lost and do something and put their name on, you know, a T-shirt maybe and just show, you know, 
um, because we don't want our loved ones ever forgotten. That's the yeah. one thing people think, you know, when you lose somebody that you don't want to hear their name or you don't want to hear. I love hearing stories about my child. I just love it when people come up to me and say, oh, you know, Matt did this with me, you know, and some of them yeah. are so funny because he was such a funny kid. And so we want them remembered. And that is a way to honor them by doing those kind of things. You know, there's runs, there's walks, there's there's things you can do. You can buy a bench. Um, mm-hmm. What I'm doing for my husband is I feel terrible. I lost him January 4th of 2021. It was during COVID. He didn't die from COVID, but I could only have six people yeah. at the funeral, you know, and I know that would be out the door, you know, the people that would come. So I'm, I'm going to now, you know, it's, it's only been, you know, a few years with Joe, but I'm getting a bench and putting it on a bike trail because he was an avid bicycler. And so I'm putting it on a bike trail with his, there'll be a plaque with his name. And that's like my way of honoring Joe, um, you know, and my friends also planted a tree in a park that I walk at in honor of Joe. So with a plaque that honors him. So find something like that to kind of like memorialize and just, it just makes you feel good to know, you know, today um, is the day that Matt, um, he didn't die, but he, he um, started the process of ending his life. And what happened was he lived till the 26th is his actual day he died, but he was a donor. So on his license, I don't think I even knew that when he was, went through this, they said, he's a donor. Can we use his organs? And my husband and I felt, yes, let's have somebody else benefit from this tragedy. Mm -hmm. So his kidneys and his corneas and bone and tissue, we said, whatever you can take and help other people, please do it. So he actually then died on the 26th. So what I do to honor Matt is I will go to a restaurant um, that he liked. So either Applebee's or um, a Mexican restaurant um, and I will buy a gift card and I usually will eat there and I will look around the restaurant and I'll see like who's in the restaurant. And then I will give the gift card with a heart, probably a Matt heart. It'll have, yeah. a, it'll have Matt's name on it. And um, I will put the heart with the gift card and I will go to the table, pick somebody and give them the gift card and say, this is for you. And that's my way of honoring Matt on that, on those particular days that, you know, I lost him that were the hardest days. I'm like, yeah. let me do something and pay it forward and make somebody else feel good. And it makes me feel good. So all this stuff I do, maybe it's selfish, but it makes, it helps me feel better because yeah. I'm honoring, honoring him. So, and this bench will be great to have for Joe because I can go there and sit on that bench, you mm-hmm. know, and it'll have Joe's name on it. And I probably will do an event where there'll be a bike ride and we will do something to honor Joe, you know, and memory, you know, in memory of Joe and do like a celebration of his life, you know, on that day. So, yeah. So find a way to really honor that person and it'll really make you feel better and, you know, and remember their name and talk about people that, you know, whoever they've lost. I don't mind if people say anything 
I, I love stories about Joe. I love stories about Matt. You know, I don't mind when they mention their names. I love it. You know, people think, oh, I can't mention their name to you. Yeah, you can. It helps us. Yeah. Actually, my last guest that we talked about grief, she said the same thing. Her her daughter's name was Allie. And she's just like, I love hearing stories about Allie. Uh, she lost her to cancer. And she's just like, she was just so funny and such a, a bright light. She's like, I want to hear those things. And she's like, but a lot of people like feel like they can't talk about it. Right. And you said you, you, it might be selfish that you're doing these things. I don't think so. I think you're helping other people. Yes. It helps you at the same time, Right. but right. you're, you're helping the things you're doing are helping other people. And I, I think, like I said earlier in the podcast episode, it's really easy for people to become jaded and not, you know, um, hate the world because of what what has happened either losing somebody to suicide or like you said losing your spouse it, it, it unexpectedly it mm-hmm. you know it's it's easy for people to feel like this isn't fair and and kind of like internalize that and, and not like externalize it in the way that you're doing in a helpful positive manner and I'm not saying Grief is grief and everybody does it differently. Different. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And and handles it differently. But I don't feel like what you're doing is selfish. I, I feel you. like it's a, a helping other people. So and you at the same time, it's a win-win in my book. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. It's, you know, and, and now I'm starting to date again. So I'm like, I'm like, and that was something like I did meet somebody and and it's, it's really good. And, and I hope it, you know, it goes somewhere. Um, and that's, was really important to me. I said, this is a, this is a big part of me and whoever I meet has to understand that and be able to embrace that yeah. and, and be comfortable with me talking about it as well. And there'll be times when I'm talking about Matt or I'm talking about Joe and whoever I meet has to be like, that's okay. And fortunately I did meet somebody and he said, I love that. That's I'm fine with that, you know? Um, And that's, that's, you know, that means a lot to me, but it's time for me to, you know, maybe start, you know, um, a new adventure, you know, new chapter. I want, I want to, you know, and I think, I think Matt and and Joe would want that, you know, they want me to be happy, you know, and, and that's something you need. You need love in your life. You know, I miss that. I really yeah. miss that. Exactly. So as we wrap up the podcast today, Patty, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? It's the toughest question of the entire yes, episode, um, every time. Find a way to inspire others. Find something you can do to inspire others. And, and I'm sure every woman you talk to has some wonderful thing that they do. And so people out there, you know, let's inspire people. Let's inspire people by doing something really good and kind in the world. Yeah. I always say my, the podcast is my little way of, there you go. Helping the world is absolutely. And see, we talked we've, and we mentioned suicide. You know, yeah. and we talked about mental health, you know, and that was that this is the take and you're doing a wonderful thing by doing that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And, you know, highlighting not just the 
all stories. Like there's very few topics uh, that are that are off like off the you know table when it comes to the podcast. It's really I feel like it's my job to just hold space for the stories. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So, Patty, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was great. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.